You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning. And again, would you look around uh, and say Happy Mother's Day to a mom next to you? There we go. (laughs) I had someone come up to me. um, I was out there getting coffee and came up to me and said, Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) And I said, thank you, without really thinking about it. And then I'm like, what? And she said, well, without you, your, your wife wouldn't have any kids. So I'm like, okay. But to that person who said that, I didn't even get a chance to say Happy Mother's Day. So there you go. Uh, but I won't point her out so everybody knows who it is. Um, just interesting. Um, it, it's a great day. Today we're going to be talking about something that I think is probably one of the greatest gifts you can give to a mom uh, or anybody, or even a mom could give to a child or, or someone else. We're going to be talking about listening. And I feel very, very, very inadequate to be talking about this. Uh, <laughs> um, I almost felt embarrassed telling my wife that I was going to be talking about listening yesterday. <laughs> so anyway, we're talking about listening and responding. The good thing is it's not coming from me. It comes from James and from Jesus. Uh, but before we, we get there, I just have a question for you to start out. And uh, in that little uh, child dedication response thing, there was a little piece about, I will model what it means to be a Jesus follower. What does that mean? Uh, what does a Jesus follower do? If your child were to ask, you know, tell you, I think a Jesus follower does this, what would they say? If you were to ask someone on the street, what does a Jesus follower, Jesus follower do, what would they say? Look, look around and tell someone next to you, what do you think? What do you think they'd say? How many of you said they go to church? Only a few of you? Wow, what kind of Jesus followers? Never never mind. Uh, (laughs) Okay, uh, going to church, it's a big deal, right? That's one of the Jesus followers goes to church. That's just expected, right? I I think of like the past couple years has been really hard when it comes to that, to be be able to go in person. But um, goes to church is, is, is kind of a big part of it. And some people would think, well, how big of a part? Like, how much of what a Jesus follower does is accomplished by going to church? Is it like 30%, 50 80 90 How much of, how much of going to church is, is, is really part of that? And the book of James, I think Sean uh, said a, a few weeks ago that uh, James is kind of like, He's, he's wise. He's like Solomon without the wives and the money and the power, right? Uh, yes, James is very wise. He grew up with Jesus. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. But he grew up, he's just very wise. And this book is about, it's a real practical book. It's about how do you live your faith out in the different scenarios and the different uh, experiences in life? How do you live it? How do you respond? How do you actually live out your faith? That's what it's about. And at, uh, one of the first things James talks about, I mean, to, to be practical, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
How many of us would raise our hands? Yeah. Okay, so if any of you lacks wisdom, he says, you should ask God. You should ask God. And then he says, uh, basically, God looks at us, and, and it will be given to you. But my question as I'm thinking about this is, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice if God could just, like, fix me and make me wise? Because if I can ask God, maybe he'll just, you know, do some kind of miracle, and I will be transformed, and suddenly now all my choices will be wise. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? But that's not how he gives us wisdom. How does God give us wisdom? He usually gives us his word, and he gives us an option. You can choose this way, or you can choose a different way. And, and James goes out, and he talks about, he asks God for wisdom. Um, I'm not going to get to that one yet, but he, he talks about wisdom. And then in the next few verses, he actually starts giving us some of this wisdom. He talks about someone who is poor. And how do you live out your faith if you're poor? And he says, if, you live, if, if you're poor, you look at your, at your condition as a gift. <laughs> what? Being poor is a gift? Yeah, it's a gift. Because you actually have, being poor and going through trials and difficulties, it actually is an opportunity for you to grow in character in ways that you probably wouldn't grow if you had a lot of money. And so then he turns it around and says, if you're rich, the wisdom is you have to work really hard at being humble. But that's, that's your challenge. Work at being humble. And then he talks about, last week Gary talked about temptation, how to triumph through temptation. And James goes on and describes things that you don't really see in any of the other books. He describes sin and how it happens. It starts in your thought, you know, and then you have these desires and desires that are evil. And if you give in to those desires that are evil, what happens is this desire gives birth. And you'd think normally a baby is a cute thing. No, no, this, this baby is, is, is death. And that's the, James is really good at pictures. But he describes the product of, of, of evil desires. And then he describes a different product, a different birth. And he says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. God's gifts are really good. And one of the gifts that he mentions is he chose to give us birth. And, we, and he, what's that birth? We have life in Christ. We have life in him. And how does he do it? He does it through the word of truth. And the word is described a number of ways in James. But here he describes it as the word of truth. And just this idea, we ask God for wisdom. How do we get it? It comes in a word. And it comes in a word of truth. And compared to everything else we get, our evil desires also gives us words but they're words of lies and deceit. They, they promise something and don't deliver and leave us empty and just feeling rotten. And yet God's, God's word gives life, and it's good and perfect. And the choice we have is, who are we gonna, what are we going to trust? And Gary last week took us to Proverbs 3, verse 5. Uh, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, in all your ways acknowledge him, but trust the Lord with all your heart. And this is... Not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. It's I get up in the morning and it's fresh. But it's God's giving me his word today and it's for today. And I get to live on it today. I get to depend on it today. So today, uh, this topic today, we're talking about a little, another part of wisdom. And the other part of wisdom is relationships. That's, man, one area where we really need wisdom. And 
Talking about God's word, James says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. He talks about faith in action. And uh, Romans, just this little verse that Paul talks about, brings up, just kind of describes that, that process from, from faith to, uh, to birth and, and how that happens. But it's not just about a one-time thing back when I came to Jesus and, and, and came into faith with him, but it's a daily thing and it's a, it's a process that keeps going. So this faith, hearing, product, it's all the time, right? Um, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. Here we go. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is God's word for us today. The first thing that um, I just notice in this is that James calls a Jesus follower to take a humble approach to communication. You know, there are many ways to communicate, but he, he, he calls us to humility. And the first thing he says is, everyone should be quick to listen. <laughs> That's really hard. That is really hard. I just, uh, I think back a few, oh, here, just some things that, something my son drew. You notice the uh, ear-to-mouth ratio. I wonder what, I think God is funny sometimes, you know. I think, I don't know if that was intentional, but he gives us two ears, one mouth. What's he saying? Maybe we should listen twice as much as we speak. Or, or how about another one that I was just thinking through, the life of Jesus. How much do we know about Jesus? We know about his birth, maybe a few months there, maybe up to two years, but it's a very little tiny bit. And then 30 years go by, and during those 30 years, what did Jesus do? He hung out with James, others, mom. Mom obviously knew him. He went to Egypt and back. You know, um, he had moved to Nazareth. But we don't really hear anything about that. And then we hear three years of public ministry. That's where we hear Jesus. But 30 years of his life, he just spent time being with us. Just taking it in. At least that's what I get. Isn't that interesting? His life kind of models this whole listening piece. Um, everyone should be quick to listen. Uh, a few years ago, before I got married, Carrie and I, um, I took Carrie to Paraguay to visit my parents. I grew up in Paraguay. My parents were living there. So we went to Paraguay uh, to visit my parents. 
And, um, you know, I wasn't sure where our relationship was going to go. We're just friends, but I'm thinking, let's find out how, what the dynamics are. And uh, there happened to be a missionary from New Zealand who had known my dad for years visiting. And uh, we were going on a walk, Carrie and I and him, and we were talking a little bit. He's asking us questions. And then he turns to Carrie and he said, watch out for this one. Él tiene el coco duro. Or he has a coconut for a head. And, and Carrie remembered that for years. Um, I just thought, oh, whatever. He's just making fun of me, right? right? Um, but it's true. <laughs> and then, you know, we're about to get married, and, and I think, I'm thinking, you know, I've got my life pretty put together. I'm a teacher. I can interact with kids and parents. I can communicate. You know, I've got my character kind of figured out. And then we got married. And... First week, it was like someone held a mirror to my face and like I was a mess. Um, <laughs> just, no, I had not. My character was not figured out. And if you're not married yet, it's okay. Like maybe you're more put together than me. Uh, you don't have to get married to figure it out. I'm not putting any pressure on you. Uh, but, but I just think about some of the things that has happened in marriage with, with me. Like, um, I got to look at my, one of the things, honeymoon. My wife is a planner. I'm an adventurer. And uh, so we take off, and my idea was we'll drive up to Glacier National Park, go through Yellowstone, and make it to Kansas. We'll do this in about two weeks and just kind of go different places, and we'll take a tent, and we'll camp out, right? Well, we started taking off, and she had asked me, so did you plan ahead? Do you have reservations? I'm thinking, Reservations? What's, what's that? You know, no, this is an adventure. And so right away, it was just like, um, I'm trying to be me and trying to figure out what does she want. And we're two very different people. So many times uh, throughout the years, you know, she, I'll hear her say words and I'll hear the words, but I won't hear the heart behind it. You know, and sometimes I interpret those words my way instead of hearing her heart. Like, for example, she'll say something like, why don't you write me? Why don't you send me? Like, we got cell phones, and our big motivation for cell phones is we text more. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you send me texts? And I'll hear something like, you're not happy with me. That's what I'm getting out of this. When what I probably should be getting is she wants to hear more of me. She wants me to write her more. That's the heart behind it, Right? Guys, do we ever do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, everyone be quick to listen. It's hard to listen. Uh, I've, in high school, I wrestled for a couple of years. And I remember my first year of wrestling, and my first match was against my cousin who was state champ. Uh, and I was stronger than the guy, but he was a wrestler for years. And I went up, and I thought, you know, I got really angry. And I thought I could throw him. And I was stronger than the guy. So I go and I take him and I go to throw him. And I'm throwing him midair. He catches me and throws me the other way. <laughs> he used my strength to, to, to throw me. I spent times looking at the lights. And I remember my first matches. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm just looking at the light, lights. I'm tired. I'm, lo you know, I'm looking up. And my coach is in the corner saying, He's yelling, grab that arm, or he'd say tuck and roll, or he'd say something, and I couldn't hear him because I was so focused on the moment and just trying to figure it out on my own. 
until eventually you realize this isn't working, my anger isn't working, how do I do this? And when you start listening to your coach, you become smart and you can, you can figure it out. Um, but it's really hard to listen. I think a lot of times in our relationships, it's like that. We're in the moment, there's maybe conflict or you know, we're feeling all kinds of emotions and it's hard to take that moment and say, okay, I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna take the humble approach and I'm gonna listen to you. And so uh, James is calling us to be quick to listen. One of the things that has been so helpful to Carrie and I uh, for years, we spent time in Bolivia. I was told that I would probably, a couple of friends basically said, be careful of neglecting your wife. Her dad was one of them. Be careful of neglecting your wife. And I thought, oh, that's never going to happen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to do that. And we spent four years in Bolivia, and it was, it, there were some really good things, but one of the hardest things for her was that I was so focused on everything else and didn't give her the time. I didn't love her as Christ loves a church and gave himself up for her. My priority was completely off. And she felt isolated, neglected. It, it was hard. And then we came back, and for the first year, I'm trying to figure out, what am I doing wrong? And someone, we, had, we met with another couple for eight weeks, and one of the first things they talked to us about was, Spend some time listening. And they specifically said, use this, active listening. So the question is, how do you listen to someone? And uh, what they said was, you know what? If she has something to say, let her say it. You just listen. Don't think of, don't think of a rebuttal. <laughs> don't think of defending yourself. Just listen. And, and after a pause, say, hey, what I'm hearing you say, dear, is this. And maybe it could be something like, I heard you say that you would like me to be more invested in planning activities with the kids. Is that right? I could be hearing, you don't invest yourself. You're a terrible husband. That's what I could be hearing, but I'm just going to tell her what I heard. Is that, is that right? Or it could be something like, I heard you say that when, when I get home, you need a break and would like me to, uh, to make sure the kids are doing their chores. Is that right? And what's interesting is like nine times out of 10, she's going to say, uh, not exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not what I said. And then she'll come back and say it again. And, and I'll say, okay, let me see if I got it right. And I'll repeat it again. The magic words after that is, is there more? And oftentimes, is there more peace takes you to a level that you were not expecting. <laughs> but it's really cool because uh, afterwards I can say, okay, is that what you said? And when I finally get it, yeah, I think you got it right. It's like calm and peace. It's so cool. Wow, you heard me. You feel heard. This is amazing. And now I can turn around and, and I can speak. And she'll say, let me see if I heard you right. You know, this isn't easy. It actually takes a lot of practice. Because our first, our first response is, I'm just going to say what I think. And we just defend ourselves. We just respond. And James is saying, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. It takes effort. It doesn't come overnight. It took me about a year to go from a place where my wife was hurt and apathetic towards me. Not by her. I did that. 
for me to hear her say, I love you. Just practicing this over, and, and this was probably the biggest thing. And I don't have it down, but man, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. What, where we were as a, as in our marriage to where we are, are two, just, it's night and day. Um, so James says, active listening. You know what's interesting? James actually practices this, and he, he, he models this. If you go back to Acts chapter 15, he talks, uh, there's this huge dispute in the church about whether, whether Gentiles should be circumcised or not, and whether they should keep the law of Moses or not, right? And there's this huge dispute, and Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, they don't have to. And the, the Pharisees in the church are saying, yes, they do. And they come in, and they, there's this huge argument. And so what happens is, verse 6 of Acts 15, the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, they met to consider the question, Right? And the first thing that happens in this passage is that Peter gets up and he speaks. And he says, you know, God sent me to this guy, this Gentile's house, his name is Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit came down on them, and he's just telling his part, right? And James listens, and then Paul and Barnabas speak, and they're all just listening. And James gets up to speak, and listen to what he says. When, when they finished, James, who is an elder, Jesus' brother, right? Brothers, he said, listen to me. He's, he's saying, listen to me. But look at what he does. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets, so he first he calls out, I just heard Simon or Peter say this, and he lays out. Peter just said this. I heard you say. I heard the prophets, God's word, says this, and he goes on and talks about. First he ex expresses what he hears, <laughs> and then later he's going to say, I think we should do this. Isn't that cool? This isn't some new thing. <laughs> it's been around for a very long time, but that's what he models. Um, and then James goes on to say, after listening, he says, okay, be slow to speak. That's so not our culture today. <laughs> Go on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. It's like uh, people are dying to just express what they're feeling or their opinion. And there are all these insults back and forth just because people want to say what they're thinking. Their opinions are really important. That Everybody's got to hear it. That's the culture we live in. Um, James 1.26, later on, he talks a little bit about, slow to, uh, about slowing to speak. He says, those who consider themselves religious, those who go to church, in other words, or those who consider themselves Jesus followers, right? And yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. You go about your week, and the fact that you went to church on Sunday and you think you had it put together, when you start talking, all that just went out the window. I'm not going to go on and talk a lot about, uh, about slow to speak, but I just want you to consider, how, how, how am I talking? Like, how quickly do I, do I say that what's in my head? I know some of us are, are verbal processors, you know, <laughs> and some of us are more internal and, and will think through, but... but how can we put a tight rein on, on the things we say? That's what, he's, that's what he's talking about. My dear brothers, James says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Angry. Oh, angry. It's interesting he doesn't say don't get angry. He says become slow to angry, to, to anger. Right? Like, like anger in itself is not a sin, there is such a thing as, as righteous ang anger. Like, for example, watching innocent people have to leave 
their homes because they've been bombarded. Or you look at like South Sudan and just what's happening with, uh, uh, with these, these uh, cattle herders and just killing people because they want the land. That's, it's right to be angry. That's not, not, that's not okay. Or, or, or seeing a guy who deserves a lifetime in prison get like nine or 10 years. That's not right. It gets me angry. Question is, what do we do with this anger? How do we process it? And, and the problem with anger is, is that uh, James actually says, interesting, just the question, what does anger usually produce? Hurt people? Bitterness? Broken communication? Broken relationships? Vengeance? It makes me judge. <laughs> and James is saying, lead by your mind, not your impulse. There, there is such a thing as, you know, uh, if you go to, if, oh, here we go. Anger is kind of like this. Later on, James is going to say that the tongue is a fire. <laughs> Anger is like fire. And fire is great if you're, I don't know if that's great at all. But, you know, if you're lighting a stove or, or, or you know, if you're a campfire or whatever, that's, that's great. It's, 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 meant, it's, it's a great place to have that fire. But in the living room with these two guns, I don't know if that's a great idea. And, and uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it, it says, in your anger, do not sin. So be careful. And then later he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. But the idea is, if you're feeling angry, you know, you might want to put that down. Put it down. Go process that. Process it. Think about what you're going to do with that. Just consider it. So he's saying, get rid of it. Put it away. You know, they're, they're, uh, yeah, put it away. Um, James, the second thing that we see in this passage, James calls the Jesus follower to personal sacrifice and humble acceptance of God's word. Personal sacrifice, that piece, get rid of all moral filth. And it's interesting that he says that right after the anger piece. Get rid of all moral filth. Another translation says rank wickedness. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Okay? Get rid of it. Um, I think of this idea of getting rid of. Talking about the things that hurt relationships. Moral filth and evil. Um, I think of the idea of getting, getting rid of being surgery, doing surgery on your own personal life. Uh, I read a book by Randy Alcorn talking about purity years ago, purity principle, and I asked my, the freshman people at his school, and like, I made it required reading, because part of it talked about uh, purity in our lives, and it said sometimes in our lives we have to take drastic measures. And I remember a time I was traveling, I went to Bolivia, and it happened to be carnival season, which is like the biggest heathen um, party in the entire world. Uh, but, but Carnival Week is like, they start out with this giant drinking fest and everybody gets decorated with colors everywhere. They go in water balloons everywhere with paint in them. Anyway, it's, it's a big mess and the streets get shut down. So I, I arrive in Santa Cruz and I forgot that that was the weekend that Carnival started. So all the roads are pretty much shut down. So I arrived in Santa Cruz, uh, and then I had to drive four hours, but the buses were all stopped at the bus station, so I couldn't really get out. So I thought, I need to stay here tonight. So I went into a hotel, uh, got a room, and, and 
then I walked out in the, it's like, I'm not, I'm not staying out in the streets tonight. So I go up to the hotel and I, and I turn on the TV and I start scrolling through the channels and, and I hit a channel that it has some real graphic sexual content. And I didn't shut it off. I just was, was looking. And after a while, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling dirty. And I'm thinking, what do I do? So I'm struggling with this. And I, what I did was like, OK, I went and I took off the cable wire from behind the TV. And I took it downstairs. And I gave it to the guy at the counter. I'm like, hey, could you, could you take care of this? You just watch this. And, and uh, when I'm out, you can put it back on the TV. And he said, why? You have HBO. And you have, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's actually exactly why. <laughs> that's why. And sometimes we have to take drastic measures. Turns out that night I ended up finding a bus and I could leave town. But, but sometimes we have to take drastic measures. Have you ever walked out of a movie? I have. Have you ever like stopped a movie like, I'm not watching the rest of this? Or maybe look at this site called Plugged In, just kind of to just see what this movie's all about and read it, and then think, eh, should I do this or should I not? And just evaluate. Because he's calling us to get rid of all moral filth. And the, and the things that's so prevalent, the wickedness, the evil that's so prevalent in us. And we have to look at our lives and, and get rid of moral filth. That's, that's the call. <laughs> that's what he's calling us to. And the next part of it is, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. God's word is in us. And when we have those debates, our struggles with our, our fallen nature and our, and our godly implanted nature, we have this struggle. He's saying, you know, get rid of this and humbly accept. Don't surrender to that side of you that's saying, you know, this is, this is better. But humbly accept what God is saying. I have your best in mind. I love you. I, I designed life. I want to give you satisfaction. I want what's best for you. And if you choose my way, it will always be better. And he's saying humbly accept it. He's calling us to that, that humility. And to think about this little phrase, God's word intends to save me. That's not just talking about like someday I'll go to heaven. It's talking about right now. James is practical. It's about living here and now. And he's saying I want to save you from pain. I want to save you from living your life as a wreck. Will you humbly accept my word and, and, and follow it? And he goes on, James calls the Jesus follower to listen and respond. Here's what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Isn't that interesting? If I hear God's word, like we're here today, or you hear what God's saying, and I walk away, and I don't do what it says, I'm deceiving myself. Going to church, it's important. But not living it out in the week makes me a deceiver of me. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but not, does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Okay, think about that for a minute. This is my wife. And uh, does this ever happen to you? You know? You, she, I think she does this on purpose. 
she loves uh, getting reactions out of people? I, I know she does. Anyway, uh, but does that ever happen to you? you go, maybe you didn't look in the mirror carefully enough, or I get home and Carrie's like, you, did, you went to church like that today? And then she'll point out, you know, my collar's off, or there's some big stain on my shirt, whatever. Uh, you know, does this, the idea of looking in a mirror and, and not seeing an issue on your face Okay, that could be what he's talking about, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think it's more like this. Okay, he looks in the mirror and he walks away and he forgets what he looks like. I don't think, I don't, you know, if that monkey looks in the mirror, I don't think he's going to be fixing his hair. I don't think if there was a blemish on his face that he would actually clean it off his face. He might try to clean it off the mirror, right? He's a monkey. Um, what James says is he who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. God's word is like a mirror. And if you're a child of God, this mirror is going to confirm who you are. It's going to confirm truth in your life. It's going to confirm perfection and freedom and what that looks like. You're going to look at it and it's going to say that to you. But if you just read it, listen, and walk away and don't do it, you're not living what's in the mirror. You're living out something else. James says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do we want to live blessed lives? I do. That's what he's calling us to, to look in the mirror of God's word and go and, and live it out. Um, he's, calling us to be, he's calling us to live it out. And one of the things he says here at the end, uh, let me just ask you before we go on. When you think of God's word, maybe it's just today, maybe you haven't been reading this week, or maybe you have been spending time in God's word this week. What is God calling you to do? I love my kids, and one of them, um, a few weeks ago, Essie, I had to go to the post office, and I was getting ready to go to the post office, and she comes up to me and says, Dad, can I go with you? I'm like, sure. And she says, can I bring some tracks? And after we're done, can we go to the apartments and hand them out to the people? I'm thinking, ah, that's un first thing, that's a little uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if I really want to do that. Do we really want to do this? And I'm thinking, that's right. I'm like, sure, let's go do that. And so she initiated, I'm the dad. <laughs> you know, so we go to the post office, we come back, and she's like, so what are we going to say? I don't know. Let's just go knock and find out. How about we just ask, how can we pray for you? And so we go, and we knock on the first door, and this guy comes out, and she hands him the track, and she says, how can I pray for you? And he's like, how old are you? <laughs> and we start, he starts talking, and they say, yeah, I, I, I have back problems. And, and she's like, can I, yeah, can I pray for you? And so I, can we pray for you right now? She's like, yeah, I said, go ahead and pray for him. And so she prays for him. And the guy is absolutely grateful, and he's, we start talking. He's like, yeah, I go to church just down the street. Thank you for praying for me. And then we go to the next, we're like four or five doors. And then our neighbor kid joins us. He's, anyway. Uh, but, but just seeing someone Hearing God's word and saying, I want to respond. 
I'm not saying that's necessarily what God's saying to you. There, I'm asking, what is God asking you to do? Maybe there's something that he's putting on your heart this week. And I just want to encourage you to think through that and, and maybe talk to him. Well, God, what are you asking me to do? Um, the last thing I notice in this passage is that James calls the Jesus follower to be authentic. He says, whoever considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on their tongues, that's one of the things he says. He goes on to this passage here, um, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. As I started, I asked you the question, what does a Jesus follower do? And I think oftentimes, I think what James is saying is, I think you guys are coming to church and, and, and back then to these people, to the scattered people throughout, the world, <laughs> throughout that area, saying, you think you have it put together, you think you have your religion or your faith put together because you go to church, you go to church on Sabbath and you listen to the God's word and you're like, yes, I did it this week. And he's saying, true religion, true Jesus following is when you go home, you look, you look and, and you find the people who are downcast and you love them. You find out what you can do to connect with them and see how they're doing. In our neighborhood, we've had a number of people pass away, a number of older people who, who, whose husbands or wife has just passed. And, and that's, that's who is on, in our neighborhood. And we're trying to figure out how do we love them. But in our church setting, there have been some really hard times. I don't know what it's like in your neighborhood, where you live, in your home, in your surrounding. But I just want to encourage you to think through, you know, I love that we're here today. But this is just a kickstart. This is just a, we come together. We want to say, God, we love you. We want to hear your word. But then I want to go out this week and I want to live it out. And so I want to encourage you to take a few minutes and just think, what does a Jesus follower do? And then I want to encourage you to take a few seconds right now and just pray. We've listened to God's word. But this is more than just about an exercise of hearing God. It's about interacting with God. And so I want to encourage you to take a moment, and we're going to just take a moment in silence. Would you just talk with him? Maybe ask him, dear Father, I want to hear you this week, and I want to live by faith. What does that look like? Help me. You know, I'm struggling to accept your ways in my life. And talk to him about that. Please help me listen to others. Please help me pause and consider your truth before I respond. Maybe these will help prompt what you say to God, but would you just take a moment right now and pray?
Dear Father, you are a good God. And your gifts are so good. Your ways are so perfect. Your truth gives us life. Father, as I consider my life and our lives this week, I just ask that we would walk out of here filled with the leading of your spirit. Help us to listen. Help us to listen. Help us to listen to you. Help us to listen to others around us. And Lord, would you continue to transform us, our character, our lives, and I ask that you would bless us. So I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.